Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our text is taken from the book of Psalms, Psalm 105, verse 1, which says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people or among the nations. This is a missionary text. The point is here that we should have a great concern for those who have never heard the gospel of Christ, for those who are in cultures where there's repression and where there is persecution. We should make known his deeds among all people. We have been redeemed by his precious blood and the wonderful gift, the work on the cross that he did. We need to make that known so that all people worldwide, over seven billion of us, have the privilege of hearing the gospel of Christ and having the opportunity to receive him as our Lord and Savior. Let us give thanks and call upon his name as we pray for those who are lost and as we get involved in missionary activity so that every man, woman, and child have repeated opportunities to hear and see the gospel of Christ. This is radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio some missionaries from uh, India. Uh, they've been with the, the mission for over 18 years, and the Lord has blessed them mightily. Uh, last week we were talking about an orphanage, and um, we're going to continue that uh, discussion today. We have in our broadcast uh, studio, we have Asher and Miriam and Sam. Asher, why don't you continue to tell us about uh, the people that are coming to your orphanage in India? We have the Dalit children who are very poor, and uh, the parents are more of workaholic. 
and uh, they don't have a seriousness to send their children to the school because they can't afford to pay the fees to send them into a, a good and a quality school and when they send them into the government school they will be going to the school for about a few days or few months and they discontinue when they hanging around with the parents they simply take them into the work and they become into the child labor uh, as we have seen in these villages poor children not getting their basic education where they can stand on their own in the future so all the uh, dalit parents are working as a daily laborers and the younger children also getting into the same situation we as a uh, uh, great commission ministries uh, as we reach with them with the gospel but uh, god has given us uh, a willingness to take uh, those children into the orphanage and provide a quality education where they can have a good education one day they can see and uh, know that they have been created in the image of god as any other human beings i mean to say any other high caste people that they live in india and they the mindset that they are low caste untouchables may be wiped out and they may be able to have a good life in the lord and um, you not only have children in your orphanage that need to be educated but you also have a great desire to have other dalit children who may not be in your orphanage but yes. also are out in the fields and have no opportunity for education mm. and so i think uh, one of the visions or one of the goals that you have in the, for the future is to have a christian school where not only your own orphans can come but also the dalit children uh, who are very poor could also come is that not true yeah that is true and adding to that the dalit dalit families that uh, who have come to know the lord they are losing the the privileges from the government and they they this just cannot send their children to the uh, school where there is uh, payment and the fees is to be paid so in this situation we desperately need of this christian school where we can give free education and midday meal for them and maybe the stationery like uh, books and uh, textbooks providing providing to to these children that will help them to carry a quality education in the school that we are desiring to open up with yeah i think uh, i think what you're saying is that because these dalit children become christians the government will give a stipend to help uh, the dalits but when they become Christians, they're not considered Dalits anymore. And yeah. so therefore they lose their, their uh, government income and they become even poorer than where before. And, and the object of the school is to give the children free education so that they have an opportunity in the future to, to living and to, to follow the Lord. Yes. And uh, I think this is a, just a really uh, a very worthy cause and, and something that uh, we could maybe try to help uh, I understand that to, to build the, a school, which would be a primary school, I think the cost would be, what, about $60,000 uh, North American. I think that uh, if we can get the $60,000, then we can uh, go ahead and build the school and, um, and hire some teachers and, um, and go forward with that project. So the Lord is, um, I, think the Lord, I think the Lord is giving us this opportunity to trust him and, and to see if this go forward. 
we also would need some Christian teachers. Do you have some some folks that uh, could come and help you uh, with the education of, of these children? We are looking to the Lord for the uh, provision of uh, teachers, the qualified teachers, so that uh, they can teach. When we start the school, we need, we need to appoint uh, at least three teachers for the beginners, uh, beginners nursery and uh, LKG and UKG, three, three classes it will be begins. So three teachers we need, we need to pay to them like uh, 12,000 to 13,000 rupees, Indian rupees, which is about uh, 200 dollars, 200 US dollars for each teachers. And so you need three of them, so that's 600 dollars a month. And if we had the six hundred a month plus the money to buy the um, to build the building, why the Lord could um, start a ministry there that could be quite successful in the future and would help these poor Christian uh, children and families along the way. We really appreciate you uh, sharing with us, and uh, we'll be trusting the Lord and praying that God will help us to raise these funds so that this project could go forward. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you are aware, this is a listener-supported program, and we continue to need your continuing support and prayers. It's the oldest Christian broadcast in North America, and Lord has been so faithful to us over the years. This month, we're offering a wonderful booklet by June Hunt entitled Hope, and I think all of us need a little hope. She has here, Hope is the Anchor of Your Soul. The idea is to regain a hopeful outlook on life is not difficult or complicated. All it requires is a shift in focus. When you have Christ as your anchor, rather than drowning in despair, you're held secure in his hope, which I think is a good statement. You need to know what characterizes misplaced hope, the symptoms of hopelessness, what distinguishes faith from hope, how to understand God's will in the midst of disappointment, and how to reach out to those contemplating suicide. All these things are included in this booklet that you can get for a reference, and I really encourage you to do that. You can find an anchor for your soul and a sure hope through the guaranteed promises of God. Discover the characteristics and benefits of a life harbored in the hope of God's unfailing word. To order your copy, Please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And don't forget to continue to pray for Canada's National Bible Hour. We appreciate your help and your support.
Today's message is from Reverend George Francisco and is entitled, Printed Copies Are Available Upon Request. Today I would like to turn to the book of Titus for our time together. Titus was a young man, a trusted companion of the Apostle Paul. He was often sent by Paul to various churches with special letters or epistles and with authority to encourage and to exhort the believers in the gospel. He had been sent to Crete because of some problems in the church there. Thus Paul writes this letter to him. Let us turn to chapter 2, verses 11 to 15. Paul reminds the church of some important things, and our topic will be vital facts for believers. Verse 11 to 15. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. So here Titus was instructed to exhort the church 2,000 years ago on the significance of salvation and what it meant to live as a Christian should. If there ever was a day when this message of Paul's was needed, surely it is today. The line between Christian and the world has become so blurred that it's difficult to decide between the two. People claim to be Christian but show little difference in life from worldly unbelievers. This should not be, for Scripture says, Love not the world, neither the things in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 1 John 2. And in 2 Corinthians 5 it says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The Apostle Paul was concerned about how believers should live. And in Titus chapter 2, he gives these vital facts for them. First, he says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. So Paul is saying salvation is the first reason why a believer should love and live for God. Now look at what he says about salvation. First, it's God who brings it. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation. The salvation that is real and genuine and life-changing is brought to us by God. It's not man's idea. It's not by man's effort. It's not by man's good works. Man has nothing to do with it. It's of God and God alone brought to us in the person of Jesus Christ. God offers his complete salvation as a gift. Ephesians 2 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We need to examine ourselves and see if we 
really are in the faith and have the right gospel, the true gospel of salvation. Furthermore, Paul says God's salvation is purely by grace. Now, grace means the unmerited favor of God. That is, it was thought of by God, it was planned by God, and provided by God. It's full and complete and offered to us as a gift in Christ. The only thing we can do is reach out by faith and accept it or refuse it. You will never be able to earn it or deserve it, for it's by God's grace. Then Paul writes that this salvation hath appeared in Jesus Christ, for he speaks of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in verse 13. So God's salvation is here, ready and waiting, and is available to all men. The only question is, will you respond? Will you relieve the word of God and come and call upon him for salvation? If we do, then the scripture gives us a promise, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, Romans 10, 13. Paul then reminds believers at Crete that the great salvation that they enjoy is by God's grace, not their efforts. What a debt then they owe to God. If the believers in Crete needed this vital truth 2,000 years ago, then we need it doubly today. Paul then speaks not only of salvation, but of instruction. For verse 12 says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Teaching has the thought of disciplined learning, like being in a school with a schoolmaster. There is a time to start and a time to end. There are lessons to learn. You're not just free to do whatever you like. One of the first things we need to learn is a negative, denying ungodliness. The Christian is called to turn away from ungodly things and worldly lusts. To deny means to say no. Someone has said a Christian may have a vocabulary of 30,000 words, but if it, it won't be much good if it doesn't include the little word no. We need to deny ungodliness. Let us learn then to say no to things like pornography and to television and movies that use profanity and make light of adultery and other fleshly lusts. If we don't say no to these things, we'll be in danger of facing moral disaster. 1 Timothy 6 and 2 warns that men can fall into temptation and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. When we learn to deny ungodliness, then we are ready to experience living, real living, abundant living, as Jesus promised in John 10 and 10 when he said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Paul says we need to learn to live for God, and this in a threefold way. Verse 12 says we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So here is the positive side of Christian living. Soberly comes from a word to mean self-restraint. Righteously means doing the right thing toward others or those around us. And godly means likeness to God or doing the right things toward God. So the, so the Christian living then encompasses doing the right thing toward ourselves and our neighbors and to God. Now that's a big plateful. Then Paul says in verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Here we have anticipation, and it's a reference to the rapture of the church. 
Believers then don't just live with their eyes on themselves or on this world, but they have something to look forward to. Now, God's word promises many, many good things lie ahead for the believer. And I hope you will open the Bible and search them out for yourself. But Paul has in mind here one great event, which he calls the blessed hope of the church. And there are some very vital facts revealed here. First, it's called blessed. Blessed means bringing great happiness or joy. So it's an event that the believer can really look forward to. Then Paul says it's a glorious appearing. The word glorious meant splendid or magnificent, illustrious, exalted. Appearing means to have or to make manifest, to see or a shining forth as of a brilliant light. What a huge God-exalting event the rapture will be. Paul says it will bring the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, scholars tell us that when the Greek language introduces two things by only one article, then the two things must be considered equal. Here Paul says the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And these are stated following the one article. So we know that there is an absolute oneness and equality mentioned here or meant here. This is a great affirmation of Christ's deity. He is both the great God and our Savior. This is a clear declaration of Christ's deity. Furthermore, then, this coming great one is identified in verse 14 as the one who gave himself for us. Here is a, a reference clearly to Christ's substitutional death on the cross to pay for man's sin. So the Apostle Paul declares that a great, magnificent revelation of the great God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ, lies ahead for believers. He describes it further in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where he says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Paul then is saying that a great majestic event will take place soon, and it will be the appearing of Jesus Christ for his church. It's a heaven-exalting, glorious manifestation of the Lord Jesus as the great God. It will be a happy, joyful gathering of believers who have died with saints who are alive and a magnificent, triumphal transportation of the church to their eternal, blissful destination, heaven. Paul instructs or teaches believers these things not only to give us knowledge, but to motivate us to live as we should. Verse 14, he returns to the idea of sanctification of life when he says that Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Redeem means to buy back or to deliver by paying the full price. God himself came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ and fully paid for man's sin. So believers are redeemed or purchased by God's great salvation. Then Paul says Christ not only wanted to purchase us, but to purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. So believers are to give attention to purification of life. 
Purify means to cleanse or to be free from admixture. So the goal of the Christian life is to increase in purity and holiness until we are free from the admixture or stain of sin. Now, this will only be completed at the death of the believer or at the rapture, whichever comes first. Nevertheless, purifying and cleansing is the goal of the Christian life, motivated by the grace of God and the coming rapture of believers. We can be purified from our sins only by confession and asking or uh, inviting Christ to cleanse us. For 1 John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is just, that is, Christ is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We then are purchased or redeemed by Christ's blood and we are purified or cleansed by that same blood when confession of sin and asking God to cleanse us is made. When we determine to walk in God's ways, we become his peculiar people. Peculiar does not mean odd or stupid. It means possessed alone by God. God wants us to be fully and completely his, loyal to him and zealous or burning to serve him. Surely these vital facts encourage us to live for his glory. What great things God has done for us. Let's rejoice in them. And then the great things that he has ahead for us, let them motivate us to live for the one who died for us. I trust that the message just heard is a real blessing to you and will encourage you in your faith. Want to minister to the Christian community through good Bible studies and good preaching, but we also have a concern for those who may not know Jesus Christ personally. And so I always like to share the gospel at the end of the broadcast. The Bible teaches that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of that sin is death. That's eternal damnation. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You have to realize you're a sinner. You realize that you have broken God's laws, and it only takes one sin to disqualify you from being into his presence because he's a totally 100% pure God. And so God had to provide a way for us because none of us knew any way. We can't do enough works. There's no way to get back to God. There's no way to pay off our sin because we've offended the Most High God. And Jesus bore your sins in his own body alone on that tree, on that cross. And because of that sacrifice that he made, he died and he rose again on the third day and he's alive and well and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit accepted that sacrifice and because of that when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ Jesus said I'm the way the truth and life no man comes to the Father but through me so the only way to get to God is through Jesus and you need to ask him to come in your life you need to confess your sins and ask him to become part of your life and he will this month, we're offering a wonderful booklet by G June Hunt entitled Hope. And I think all of us need a little hope. She has here, hope is the anchor of your soul. The idea is to regain a hopeful outlook on life is not difficult or complicated. All it requires is a shift in focus. 
When you have Christ as your anchor, rather than drowning in despair, you're held secure in his hope, which I think is a good statement. You need to know what characterizes misplaced hope, the symptoms of hopelessness, what distinguishes faith from hope, how to understand God's will in the midst of disappointment, and how to reach out to those contemplating suicide. All these things are included in this booklet that you can get for a reference, and I really encourage you to do that. You can find an anchor for your soul and a sure hope through the guaranteed promises of God. Discover the characteristics and benefits of a life harbored in the hope of God's unfailing word. To order your copy, please write to Kaz National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And don't forget to continue to pray for Canada's National Bible Hour. We appreciate your help and your support.